Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. We are such a unique place, and I'm so glad that each one of you has found your way here, including me. I am the new lead pastor, and so this is a new chapter for the, for the life of our faith community. And so if this is your first time here today, I just want to say that you're coming into an, an exciting and joyful time. And we are so glad to see what God does through all of us together on this new adventure that we're going on. So if we go on an adventure, and Miranda has has used uh, a lot of metaphors last week about going on an adventure, and we need all our snacks and our things for the car, and we're going to go on a road trip. And so just to carry that forward, we are going on an adventure, no doubt. And it's exciting. And here's the thing, though. We're going to need this. This is the Bible. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, I mean, we're all from different backgrounds. I don't know, you know. Um, And we're going to need something that grounds us, okay? Because we can't do this on our own. And as excited as I am to be your new pastor, my wisdom is not sufficient, right? It's a greater wisdom that we're going to discern together. And so we're going to need some guidance. But hear me say this. This has been used oftentimes in other spaces. Maybe it's your home church you grew up at. Or maybe on um, a movie you've watched or friends' experiences you've heard of. It's been used as a weapon. It's been used to make you feel less than. It's been used in ways that make you feel different and apart and less loved by God. But that was never the intention. And so here in our community, I want you to know that this is going to be a place where the Bible is a place and a living word that changes us. Okay? And... We really need it because some of us have been here for 15 years and some of us have been here for like 15 minutes. And so if we all had our own ideas of things, uh, that would be a lot. We need something to ground us. But the Bible is not the end of the conversation. It's the beginning. You often hear people maybe quote a verse and and then a conversation shuts down. But here in this place, it's always going to be the beginning of a conversation. It's not a weapon. If we wanted to bop someone on the head with a story, we could use the Dallas Morning News or our iPad or any number of things to hit people on the head with. And we will never do that with this sacred book. It's the living word of God. And it has the power, if we let it, to change us. Do you want to be changed? Thank you. Yes, y'all are responding well today. I love it. Um, So today we are in the book of Colossians. And I just want to say that 
I'm hoping I'm saying this right, but if I'm not, it's okay. Colossae was a town. It was a river town, okay? It was an ancient river town. Um, so there was a church here in Colossae, and it was founded by an associate of Paul. And if you don't know who Paul is, that's okay, because you don't have to know the whole story to come to church here. We're all learning together. Paul was an apostle of Christ. He had been changed by the word of God, and he was going to do everything in his power to live his whole life based on that transformation, okay? So Paul had a lot of friends and associates and colleagues, and so a church was born in Colossae. And boy, were they figuring things out. Like, y'all, it was, it was kind of a hot mess. They were unfinished. They were in progress. They were new to the Jesus thing, the way of Jesus, and it really showed. They too, like us, had people that had been here for 15 years and 15 minutes. Some from a Jewish background, some from a Greco-Roman background. And so they were really trying to reconnect with each other and figure out what was going to hold them together. We sang a song today that you hold it all together. Well, they were trying to figure out, like us, what's going to hold us together. Paul was trying to help them figure this out. And he wanted to remind them to stay rooted in Christ. And so this whole letter is basically a pastoral love letter to a community that Paul really loved, trying to remind them what really mattered. And this really wasn't an easy task. We know that sometimes Paul gets frustrated, right? Sometimes he's, um, he's like, y'all just really need to get it together. And sometimes he's loving. He's, he's, he's a pastor, right? And some folks, everyone had different ideas of how to do this, right? Some wanted to do it one way. Some wanted to prioritize mystical Jewish practices, okay? They, they, they found out who Christ was, but they didn't want to let go of those amazing mystical practices that were going on. You know, observing the new moon and all the woo-woo stuff. The spiritual menu was full. Okay, there was a lot of options in this time. There was a lot to choose from. So Paul says in this letter, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. Now, we have two options when we read scripture. We can become more afraid of others that differ from us, or we can become more secure in the power and love of Christ. Paul doesn't say to these new believers, he doesn't run around condemning them, saying you're doing it wrong. It's not a matter of fear or shame. He doesn't judge them or make them feel really bad on social media for not being as good of a Christian as him. He simply reminds them of the truth. And we can have some compassion for these early Christians who were a bit confused on what should carry over from the past and what should go. Remember, Jesus was a Jewish boy coming out of the Jewish tradition. We forget this. 
And there was a lot going on in this spiritual world. And it was easy to get a bit mixed up. What should stay? What should go? But again, I emphasize to you that Paul isn't approaching this with fear. He later says that the trendy mystical stuff, the human philosophy and empty deceit that everyone was into at the time and was distracting them at times is only a shadow of what is to come. And then he says this, the substance belongs to Christ. Hear that. The substance belongs to Christ. Christ has already won. There is no need to constantly defend the truth when the truth is already true. The harder task, my friends, is to live it. To live the truth. That's where the real spiritual work begins. The substance of it all belongs to Christ already. There is nothing apart from Christ. And the rest is yet to come. Paul encourages these Colossians to live their lives rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. One translation I found says, continue to walk in Christ. Established. This means that our faith is something we root down in over time. It's not a quick formula we accept in our heads. We don't just accept Christ, we become established in him. And that's different. Accepting just doesn't sound that fun anyways, to be honest. We often hear Christians talk a lot about the number of humans who have accepted Christ on a given day. If you have accepted Christ, great. Have you walked in Christ? Have you danced in Christ? Have you dreamed in Christ? Have you loved in Christ? Have you come alive in Christ? See, our salvation, our journey with God is about more than accepting beliefs in our mind. It's about a transformation in our hearts and in our lives. And this is a process, okay? And it's a bit countercultural to be a people in process. We're not done. We are a people slowly living into the fullness of God and coming alive in Christ. This means we are not selling a quick fix. We, life in deep Elam, are modeling a way of Being in Christ. And we aren't saying that your depression will go away or you will lose weight or you will suddenly become rich or you'll finally get to feel really superior to everyone around you. We're not saying that. I'm sorry. If that's what you were coming to church for, you have to go home because it's not going to happen. You can get a coffee on the way out. It's fine. At least we have coffee. Uh, We are saying that we want to become rooted and established in the fullness of God found in Jesus Christ. Paul earlier says, earlier in the letter, he says that for in him, oh, I need y'all to listen really close. For in him, all the 
fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Pleased to dwell. And this is so much better than the other ways we've heard the incarnation described. The only way, the only truth. Those aggressive doctrines can lose touch that God didn't demand Jesus to be full of him. Rather, God was pleased to dwell fully in him. And Christ is pleased to dwell fully in you. It is a radical, radical practice to be in process with God. It goes against every part of a culture that wants a final product. They want that final product and they want to sell us that final product, don't they? So many ads, my Lord, Instagram looks, you know, it's so many ads, it's overwhelming. There's so many products for sale, but God isn't one of them. Amen. And this culture wants this final product. It wants a subscribe button, a guarantee of a return on the investment. But that's not what God's about. God is about a process. The rest is yet to come. We are unfinished. Thanks be to God. We're unfinished. Isn't that great? That's not something to be ashamed of. Have you ever seen a child working on a painting or an art project? And I tell you I have because I've been to many vacation Bible schools, okay? I've attended them. I've led in them like VBS queen over here. And there's always that one kid that works so hard at their art project And it's time to go to the next rotation. It's time to move on. And so they look at you and they say, don't look at it, Miss Jenna. It's not finished. It's hard to be unfinished. It takes time to become relaxed in our unfinishedness. But this is the better way, friends. And this is what Paul is describing when he's reminding these Colossians to get clear on their foundation in Christ and then to begin to come alive in him. That's the goal. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell fully in Christ and Christ is pleased to dwell fully in you. But can Christ dwell fully in you? That's a question. What are you full of? You might be full of other things. You might be full of despair. You might be full of busyness and worry and doubt. And none of these are bad. But they can fill us up in ways that limit how God can move. One of the most beautiful things about Jesus to me is that he was so emptied to everything that wasn't God. That's how God could fully dwell in him, right? Like there was room. (laughs) 
There was a room at the end, but there was room in Jesus. There was room for God to take up space. And so that's why he had this gorgeous life of relationships and friendships and community because there was room in him for God to work and grow. So how can we be like that? What will you have to let go of to have room for Christ? Where can you make room? The thing is though, you don't have to do it alone. That's why we're here together. That's why we have this faith community and it may be in transition. We may have all different kinds of people, but you know what? I'm excited for that because that means that together we're going to grow into something beautiful and together we're going to help each other make room for Christ. It's not a solo project. Paul is trying to remind these Colossians to get them to remember that in their baptism, they have died with Christ and they are also raised with Christ in the power of resurrection. And some of those terms may be new to you and some of them may be really old and you might need to hear them in a new way. But the point is that in Christ, we die and we come alive. So where is Christ working to come alive in you? What do you need to feel safe enough in this community to become established in the way of Jesus? What does it feel like to be unfinished, to be a work in progress, to know that the rest is yet to come? Our culture often tells us that the best is yet to come. (laughs) And sometimes we're like, is it though? (laughs) Maybe that's just me. But when someone's like, the best is yet to come, Jen, I'm like, is it? Like, can I see that evidence? Our culture also just loves this kind of forced positivity. It's going to get better. I promise. The best is yet to come. And I think this is kind of an example of what Paul is describing when he says this human philosophy, this human thinking, this empty deceit. It's what we see out there all the time. The best is yet to come. And sometimes this can feel like a forced positivity that can discount the journey we've already been on. And nothing is in vain for God. Nothing is in vain. Our self-made culture also tells us conflicting messages. The best is yet to come, but you better work hard to manifest it. You better say all the things and work two jobs and do your vision board and all of that. The best is yet to come, but it won't come unless you do your best to get it there. Too much. That's too much. Too much pressure. And that's not what God says. God says this. The rest is yet to come. The rest of what I'm doing in you and among you is yet to come. I'm not finished with you yet. 
We are on a journey, my friends, of living into the fullness of God and becoming established in the wisdom and the love of Christ. And this means we are anything but self-made. We're not. We're not self-made. And while I deeply understand and even benefit from notions of self-care, I have something better. There's something better than just self-care. There's community. Community in Christ. Because then it's not just about how I care for myself and how you care for yourself. We do things together. And we create systems and cultures and communities where there's less need for self-care. All of this we're going to need to do together. It will take all of us, our prayer, our investment, our energy, our resources, and most of all, it will take God. And it will take you. And so I want to say that if this is your first time, if it's your second time, if it's your 115th time, I want you to think and pray and find ways to get connected here find ways, follow us on social media, reach out to us, risk it all to ask someone to go to coffee, keep showing up. We're going to keep cultivating a place where you can feel at home. And I hope you take the invitation to keep coming home. You're going to be around people that challenge you and help you to know God more fully. It will take all of us, our prayer, our energy, everything we've got. But most of all, it's going to happen with God. We will hold fast to Christ, from whom our whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with a growth that is from where? You might know the answer from God. Good, you tried. It's okay. I saw the the energy, yes. And so like a small child, we have our art project. We have what we've been working on, whether that's in our marriage or our friendships or our community. We have that project we've been working on. And we've worked really really hard at it. But it's time to go to the next rotation. <laughs> And so we look up to God with our unfinished painting, our unfinished work of art. And we want to say, don't look at us, God, we're not finished yet. And God smiles back at us and says, I know I'm not finished with you. The rest is still yet to come. Amen. Thanks be to God.